I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode number 25. The storm wow. is gone. The storm is gone, Mark. There was just a, a brutal, brutal hurricane happening outside my window, and now it's sunny. So I guess I live yeah, in Houston. It wasn't a hurricane. It's a typical Houston severe thunderstorms we get in the summer, late summer. It yeah. looks like a hurricane for a minute, though. I'm, I'm from Michigan, okay? So <laughs> this is how it works. All right, I'm James Hahn II from TribeRocket.com. We are – I we, we've we changed up things, and so I, I have to get used to saying – uh, what what is it that we do, Mark? <laughs> um, you drive leads. Yeah, it's targeted traffic, qualified leads, closed sales. How about you, Mark? That's right. Hey, um, this is Mark with Motopoint.com. We are the oil and gas sales experts. All right, being being the expert that you are, I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say about Exxon's forty billion dollar oil discovery sparks Venezuelan feud with with Guyana. Yeah, so there's a bunch of history here. Before we get there, folks, look at the article and look at the first picture in the article. <laughs> I promise you that this guy that's holding up his hands is really um, a rig hand at one point in his past. You know why? He's missing a finger. And I and didn't even willing, see that. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet that he lost that finger wrapping chain around a pipe, which doesn't happen anymore in a rig, but it used to. And a lot of people got hurt doing that. So um, I, I just think it's cool. It's such an authentic picture. Um, this yeah, is let's a talk man. A this is a man right here. <laughs> This is a roughneck, right? Yeah. This is a guy that out drink you, outwork you, and out a lot of stuff you, right? Because he's <laughs> in the oil and gas industry. All um, right. So what's going on with Exxon, though? Let's yeah. talk a little bit about this. So this dispute over um, a Guyana has been going on forever. Venezuela has claimed for for twenty years that the territory belongs to them, but they really didn't care because Guyana had nothing, no paved roads, no running water. You know, bunch of farmers, uh, very small population. And so Exxon partnered Guyana, and they discovered a huge reservoir of oil and natural gas. So guess what? Venezuela now wants it. And it's just, it's just screwed up, right? Um, the nice thing is Guyana is sticking to its guns, and it's the international community is going to support them. And with Exxon's help, they'll develop these fields, which will then increase the prosperity of the country. Unfortunately for Venezuela, we've talked about this before, their economy is in ruins. They have the highest murder rate in the world. Um, they're trading crude oil for natural for, for food to feed their people. Um, we expect their government to fold um, because their economy is in such a bad shape because of the sanctions that are in place and these low crude prices. Um, but th this story is just about how um, Venezuela is contesting this big fine, and it's, and it's, it's bullshit. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, you just got to throw that one out there. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be the ignorant American uh, as I am. I'm actually Googling right now Guyana so I can even see it on a map. It, it's, uh, it's, it's not, not quite the world player that Venezuela has been. And it's, it's, uh, looks like as far as landmass is concerned, it's definitely smaller, but oh, not that much smaller. Small. Yeah. Very small. Right. So, uh, so it's at the, the northern tip of South America. And is it pretty the 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 world like you said the world's behind them versus the socialist Venezuela? Yeah, absolutely. And it's um it's it's a good thing, you know. The, here's a chance for one of the super majors to come in and partner, which is what Exxon does all the time with a country to help them tap into these reserves, which they do not have the technology to do themselves. Get it out of the ground, increase jobs, set up, build manufacturing facilities, and, and in general, just help the people. In Guyana, right, and and Venezuela is just a little, you know, 
being Venezuela, Chavez is being Chavez and, and disputing this because they found a big reservoir of oil, natural gas there. If they wouldn't have found that, he wouldn't, they wouldn't even care. All right. Well, that's what they do down there. All right. Over, uh, over to the, 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 the story that we're following in Nigeria about Buhari cleaning things up and why he won't sell refineries. Yeah. So I, I, this is actually a well-written article. This is kind of a part two of what we talked about our, on our last show, but basically the president's there, you know, cleaning house, getting rid of corruption and hats off to them. And one of the things that you may not realize in a country that has a lot of corruption, Nigeria, uh, uh, parts of central and South America, Iraq, Iran, um, when you have corruption in place, there are people making money off the corruption, right? So if there's banned or contraband items, there's whole supply chains built to bring these blacklisted items in the country and make money. So what happens is and when there's a lot of corruption, these people that make money doing illegal stuff then rise in power and politically, and then they start controlling the policies to protect their illegal trade. That's what this article is talking about, if you want to boil it down to what it's really going on. Um, a bunch of people um, were making money trying to broker the sales of the refineries and it, it wasn't right it wasn't right for nigeria it wasn't right for the people and so the president put a stop to it and now these people are pissed and they have some political power and but the reason they're pissed is he's interrupted their ability to make money off the nigerian people so they were going to sell the refineries that the country owns to outside investors that's what they said. Let me tell you what they were doing. They were taking bids. They were taking money without any legal ability to actually sell the refinery. I think they were just making money off an opportunity with no uh, – the end result would have – they would have never sold the refinery. Wow. Yeah. I'm very happy that I live in America. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So so moving moving back uh, uh, to the uh, – this side of the of the Atlantic, I should say. Man, I am off my game today. Off. That's okay. You're Off. you're still awesome. Thank you. All right. So, column, uh, we've got Kemp uh, writing for Reuters. Oil market adjustment is about more than shale. Yeah, and 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 he's absolutely right. There's so many variables that go in depend on the price of crude. Crude is is a true global commodity. So you have different production areas of the world. You have different grades of crude. You have different uh, refining capacities in the world, which means there's different markets. Um, you you have um, you know different geopolitics involved, so it's there's a lot of stuff that goes in that determines the price of crude, um, you know, other than just the shell plays here in the U.S. The shell plays, <laughs> shale plays. I've been coaching that again. Uh, shout out to Diana's with uh, <laughs> inside joke, people. Um, yeah, so so Kemp, Kemp's nailing it again, and I have to. Uh, th- there's we we have a few people that that continue to uh, tweet us about about the quote-unquote price war and i like this article for that reason because in exactly what you just said that there's so many different variables to oil prices that yeah. the idea that that saudi arabia is at war with us it, come on yeah let me let me make this crystal clear folks it is illegal for the u.s producers to export crude that means if somebody in africa or europe or south america or Brazil wanted to buy American crude, they cannot. It is not on the market. Therefore, if it's not on the market, we're not in a global price war with OPEC. So let me follow up on that because I had a bit of a uh, what if going on because of you're seeing more and more stories about you know fast tracking the export, you know lifting the export. Yeah, ban. it looks like it's going to be lifted, which is good. Uh, so so could the conspiracy theorists then say, well? 
yeah, that's that's the way it is today. But you know, they're they're preparing for the future once this export ban is lifted. Um, I wouldn't call it conspiracy. It's business. We can't really refine the crude we produce in this country. So why not export it so we can sell it at a premium? It would help our operators and it would drive down the cost of fuel for the American consumers. Um, you know, you need to understand how the business, how the dollar actually flows. Um, there, there's no conspiracy here. The the crude export ban is a 1970s law that is just outdated. We need to get rid of it. I mean, it looks like we actually will, which would be good for everybody. Well, what I'm saying, though, is that is that is that the the coming back and saying, well, there's a ban in place now. And yeah, Mark, you're right that it can't be sold globally now. But, you know, once it's global, uh, then, yeah, we're in a price war. Um, there, so there'd be some truth to that. Just remember, though, the crude that's produced by the Middle East is heavy. It's sour crude. The produ- crude that's produced um, in, in the U.S. in the shale place um, is light. It's sweet crude. And certain parts of the world have the refining capacity to refine one or the other. So it's almost like you grow oranges and I grow lemons. They're both citrus fruits, but they're different. And the markets for them are different. Got it. All right. Well, let's move into Seeking Alpha. Four reasons why oil will not trade much below 40. Yeah, good article by Seeking Alpha. I, you don't hear me say this often. Um, I agree with them, other than the fact that they keep talking about OPEC <laughs> being in this price war, which we just talked about. But if you take that part out, yeah, we don't see it getting – it won't get below 40 unless something totally out of the ordinary or unexpected happens. It, it won't go there. That never happens in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does, but it would, have to be, it would have to be some flood on the market of, of crude – Globally, at the same time, some big economy would have to crash like China's. So what are um, these four reasons that it gives? Uh, so number one is the spreads on refining strong, which he's absolutely right about. What does that mean? So there, there's a difference There's a difference in between the price that you pay for the raw feedstock in refinery, so the crude or natural gas, and what you sell the finished product at. That difference, that delta, is called a spread. So we've talked about before, refineries are rocking and rolling. Their spread is, is great right now. Um, the next one, next reason they bring up is U.S. production will decline. We're starting to see that already. Um, we're starting to see crude. We're not seeing it in natural gas. Natural gas is, it continues to, to grow. Um, and then the political premium, which we've talked about before, it's his reason number three. And then reason number four, um, open interest is rising, right? So those all together um, is going to keep crude from, from bottoming out any lower than it already did. And actually, you know, the Chinese government, and China is the biggest buyer crude in the world, Chinese government is doing everything they can to keep their economy roaring. I mean everything, which means that their the construction project will keep happening, which means they'll still have a huge need for things like diesel, which means that um, the, demand will, um, the, the demand will still be higher than the supply, which means prices will go up. Perfect. So we are still we are still standing by the the prediction for for the spring then. Yeah, seventy seventy five dollars a barrel by April twenty sixteen. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but yeah, that's we're still sticking to that. I, I'm interested to see what's going on, and that'll be episode I don't know eighty <laughs> or something like that. All right, Carrizo, uh, we've been talking Utica plenty, and there's there's plenty to go around in terms of pipeline and everything infrastructure that they're doing. So what's Carrizo up to up in the Utica? Uh, they're, they're hunkering down basically. It's um, it's they're they're trying to control their spin. Uh, their production's actually up. They're trying to reduce their cost. Um, they're just, they're one of the, the shale players that, that are a good player. 
um, but they don't have prime position everywhere. And so these low crew prices are hurting them. They're doing a good job of controlling their expenses, um, which is, which is, you know, 90% of staying, staying together. Um, so it's, um, they're, um, they're doing everything they can. I don't want to say keep their head above water because they're doing okay. They're doing everything they can to keep their business together intact, wait for the price to go back up. It looks like they, they, they have an update on some of the work they're doing in the Eagleford as well. Yeah, they um they have some more pads they've produced. They've cut back on the actual number of drilling rigs. They did uh, uh think they did their first stagger stack. So you know they're staying ahead of the technology. Good stuff. What's a stagger stack? A, st- a stagger stack is where you have on one pad you have one vertical shaft, or you have several vertical shafts with several horizontal horizontals going out. So you, you basically have multiple wells on one pad. When did they start doing that? They just they said they just did their first one just recently. Um, I don't know the exact when date. when did they as in the general they of of engineers out there in the field when how long has this been around? So Halliburton is the one that came up with I don't know who actually invented or, or came up with the concept. Halliburton was the first one to implement it. Um, and it's it's starting to take off um, because it the cost is much less. I mean, you think about it. If you build one pad site and you have that one drill rig that sits there and punches three or four or five or ten wells. Of course, the cost of each one of the wells is much less because it's a better utilization of your equipment and your space. So the, we might touch on this in a couple of different articles uh, on a, operational excellence. But for right now, are these three billionaires right about Phillips 66? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So this is an article about uh, Buffett, Lubb, and uh, T. Boone Pickens all investing in Phillips 66. You know, do not take our investing advice. We are not professional stock advisors, but I've invested heavily in Phillips 66. They're in a good place. They're a major downstream player. They own a lot of infrastructure, think pipelines, which means they can control the cost of their transport. Um, they're, they're diversified downstream, so they don't just do fuels. They do petrochemicals, fertilizers. They're a good company. So, um, you know, this is kind of validates the fact that I put some of our money into Philip 66 because, uh, you know, Buffett, T. Boo Pickens are usually pretty good at what they do. <laughs> so um, so it's what does Philip 60? It's it's a downstream company, right? It started off as a downstream company. Technically, they have some midstream assets, right? Because they own some pipelines or they're building some pipelines, but they're not doing it for the conventional pipeline reason where you rent that transport to the highest bidder. They're doing it for their own refineries so they can control their own transport uh, costs. Sort of like Walmart. Walmart owns its fleet of 18 wheelers, right? It owns that fleet and operates that fleet so it can control the cost of its transport. It could easily have outsourced that to like Saya or somebody else, but it decided that it made business sense to control that part of the business. And that's, that's what Phillips 66 is doing. All right, great. And this gives me an opportunity to go ahead and plug the uh, coming up in almost 30 days, the Houston energy breakfast, which is September 17th, 2015. And Greg C Garland, chairman and CEO of Phillips 66 will be there. Um, uh, Yeah. As I said, September 20, uh, September 17th, 2015, uh, where's that going down? And that's at the Western Oaks and Galleria. If you yeah. want to know about that, it's triberocket.com forward slash breakfast. And, and you know who right else there. will be there? Me. You know who else? You. I'm doing. I'm hosting a, a panel session there. So folks, come by. Come say hi. Come. Uh, it's, be, it's always a great breakfast um, full of oil and gas business leaders, not full of salespeople. <laughs> Nothing against salespeople. Um, it, it's a good event. <laughs> what, what do you got against me, buddy? <laughs> You're just throwing me under the bus this week. No, triberocket.com forward slash breakfast it'll take you there to learn about that and uh yeah we'd love to see you all out there all right energy pipeline oil gas industry works to beef up women 
power in their ranks. Yeah, just a great story. Um, it's a story of um, uh, Julia Tannehill, uh, who ended up becoming a petroleum engineer, and her journey um, in what was what used to be a male-dominated industry. Um, it's not anymore. 46% of all the new engineers entering the market are now women entering the oil and gas industry, which, which I think is just awesome. Um, and it's it's great. I, I literally watched the attitude toward women change overnight. And this was this was about two, 2000, 2002. Literally, Exxon could not hire any more engineers. There were none left. So they had to hire women engineers. And they hired women engineers. And guess what? The women engineers were as good as the men. And so Exxon goes, well, they're perfect. And it didn't worry about it anymore. It doesn't matter what their gender is anymore. And the industry as a whole, especially in the U.S. and Europe, have adopted that. And it's just a wonderful thing to see. Um, they talk about STEMs. And, you know, people have listened to the show for any length of time knows that I volunteer on Fridays in my local high school and I teach STEMs. And one of the things that's so cool is I get to talk to these young 10th graders about future careers in the oil and gas industry. And it's just really cool to see young women just as excited as young men. Good stuff. And interesting stat that is going to jump out to me. 71% of the total workforce in the industry is 50 or older. Yeah. And they retire in the next 10 years. It's a great crew change. It's it's a major, it is the major business driver in oil and gas globally right now. So if you're if you're if you're my age, 35, you're in the right place. You're in a good place. Yeah, <laughs> the right place at the right time. Thank you, uh, Providence or Serendipity or whatever you want to call it. All right. Let's get into this uh this article. Some Lunatic Total Yahoo from modalpoint.com wrote a wrote an article, uh, made a video, operational excellence in oil and gas. What it what it what it is? <laughs> what is it and how do you implement? Yeah, so this is my article, folks. I'm the Yahoo. Um, operational excellence is going to be one of the major business drivers in 2016 and for the next five to ten years. Um, a lot of people get operational excellence um mixed up with um, operational efficiency or with process excellence. They're all different things. At its basic, operational excellence is the ability for the entire organization to work together to improve their performance as a team. And that does not really exist in oil and gas industry right now. So wait, I got to jump. So you got, it says, if I'm understanding the, the, the graph properly, oil and gas companies that link budget and resource planning to strategy, 69% don't. Yep. So this is a survey that we did. There's several surveys we do internally in the oil and gas industry every year. And this is one that we do every year. But think about that, James. I, I, I'm, I, I am. What? Yeah. They do not, 69% of oil and gas companies do not link budget and resource plan to strategy. That, that does not say they don't have a strategy. And that does not say they don't know plan their resources. But nobody sits down and says, okay, here's our budget. How does what we have to spend allow us to implement with the resources what our strategy is, what our roadmap is. It's that there's a disconnect there in the oil and gas industry. And it's been there for a long time and it needs to change. How that's just got to be costing us billions. Oh, it is. It is. If in fact if you look at what's happened in the shale plays in the last say 18 months, um they have taken the break-even point from $90 a barrel down to $40 a barrel. Now they, there was no new secret invention. This is driving efficiencies into the processes, right? So that worked. But in order for this to continue to work, then they have to have a, a, a culture change of continuous improvement, which means that whatever changes they made now, if can they make more next year and more the next year and more the next year? Um, and that's, that's part of operational excellence is that culture of continuous improvement. 
changing culture. Um, I'm working Which on that. Which is the well. hardest thing yes. to do. Yes, yes, it's a very hard thing. Um, but uh, you, our faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in because you are changing the culture just by knowing what a podcast is. Um, yeah, so, that's true. So, okay. So speaking of changes, we've got one, one change to just wrap about real quick for a second here. Uh, we usually do the commercial break around oil field revenue university, but we have a sponsorship opportunity to talk about. Do we not Mr. LaCour? Yeah, we absolutely do. And this folks, this is, this is a great chance for you to get you and your company in front of our audience. And our audience, of course, is nothing but oil and gas business people. Yeah, and so uh, we just crossed, thank you to our listeners. We just crossed 20,000 downloads today. Wow. Today. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, everybody that's listening. Thank you. 20,000 downloads. And so um, the specifics on this is that it's it's a quarterly engagement and at the end of each quarter, you have the opportunity to continue or discontinue. And it is, uh, it, it, do you want to talk about pricing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's 10 grand, right, for the quarter, which is not much. 10 grand to, to be put in front of our entire oil and gas audience. Um, it's a very worthwhile investment. And then actually, you get put in front of our audience twice, James, right? Not once, but twice. Right, yeah, because we're going to talk about you on the show. Obviously, do, do, uh, do shout outs in, in, Obviously, uh, whatever copy that your your team gives us in, in terms of what you want us to say, uh, good things about your company. And by the way, we're only partnering with one company. This is right. the only time that we're going to do this because we did get to 20000 by not uh, selling our souls. So we don't want this to be like, uh, yeah, Mark and James are selling out. And next thing you know, the, the show suddenly becomes a, a talking NASCAR jacket. Yeah, um, yeah, we're not sellouts, folks. No, so so there, so whatever company we do end up partnering with, we will believe in, and and we will uh, we will certainly um, honor your trust in us to keep doing what we're doing and bringing the truth about oil and gas to you. And so uh, the point that you're making, though, Mark, yes, twice because we'll talk about it on the show, but we're also going to and, and what the sponsorship is is that you're sponsoring transcripts for the show. And transcripts for the show will be loaded with keywords that Google loves. And so as a result, we'll be able to target certain search phrases, get to the top of Google. And as a result, anybody who finds the show in the future will see your logo with the link to your website and and the sales copy and so forth. So it is a great opportunity um, on many levels. Folks that um, that don't understand digital marketing, let me let me break it down for you. This will make your phone ring. <laughs> right. <laughs> this will make prospects call you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, that's that's enough of that. It's out there. If you want any, inf- if, if you like, I said it's one person, one company is going to be able to take advantage of this. So you can reach me at James at triberocket.com. It's tribe like a tribe of people. That's a that's a modern marketing term for the for the community that you build around your brand to drive traffic leads and sales. And so Tribe Rocket, like one rocket in the sky, James at triberocket.com or Mark at modalpoint.com, and we'd be happy to talk to you about that. Enough of that. I have to admit, Mark, I did not pull up a weekly onion, which I'm sure that you're very sad about. I, I'm about to break down in tears. <laughs> but when you when you were back here on the Seeking Alpha story talking about China, or I can't remember, I think it was that, I was silently trying not to laugh hysterically. 
because this Biden offers government post to Elvira, mistress of the dark. And that sounds like something Joe Biden would do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Elvira. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and then uh, and then into the uh, um, into the events, TryRocket.com forward slash events will get you right to Mark LaCour's page where you can put in your email address and get all of the events uh, here in Texas and across the world, everything that's happening. So TryRocket.com forward slash events. And and let's do some shameless self-promotion for you, Mark. Yeah, well, it's not really shameless. So we talked about operational excellence, how it's going to be a major business driver. I am actually speaking, I am the only speaker, at a breakfast on, of all things, operational excellence. So if you're in the oil and gas industry and you have an interest in learning what operational excellence is or how you deploy it or how it could impact your business or how it could impact your sales efforts, come join us at the breakfast. It's a Wednesday, August 26th. For our listeners, it's free, but you have to sign up and register. So, James, you're going to go ahead and stick a link up, correct? Yeah, so we'll have that in the show notes, tribrocket.com forward slash TW25. And, um, man, that's that's I'm, I'm, uh, it's bittersweet because I won't be able to be there, but I will be headed to Michigan for my son's birthday. So yeah, that's way more important way than more. drone on. Yeah. yeah, I can do that anytime. All right, and then we've got Summer Nape. It is upon us. Summer Nape. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, all right, so so that I don't screw up the North American Prospects Expo at the, George, at the George R. Brown Convention Center. Um, again, you can see the links at tribrocket.com forward slash 25. Um, oh, hey. Hey, James, yeah. if people are going to go to Nate, why don't we have them hit us up on Twitter? Maybe we can go say hi in person. Yes, do that. So that's a good point. I forgot to mention that. Uh, some of y'all might have noticed that we started a, a Tribe Rocket Inc. Twitter handle because we are now Tribe Rocket Inc. We're not, an LL, we're, we're not a mom and pop shop no more, man. <laughs> Did, we, I never celebrated that with you, Mark. Uh, we are officially a Delaware registered corporation. Um, Moto Point doesn't have an official truth. It's me, just me. Damn, I'm jealous now. Hey, man, step your game up. I mean, there's levels I to this. Stuff. Have to. There's levels to this stuff, son. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so uh, at Tribe Rocket Inc., you can uh, hit, hit us up, or I'm James Han II II. And then Mark was, is, and I always forget to make this point. It's Mark with a K underscore LaCour, L A C O U R. And, and and I'm and completely freestyling right now because I'm trying to pull up this week in oil because I think I do believe that we did get a uh, a, a comment or a review and so I wanted to shout out that person real quick. Um, yeah, folks, it's um, if you're listening, please, please, please take two minutes out of your day and give us a review. It's um it's what allows us to put this content together for free and deliver it to you on a weekly basis. And it takes all of two minutes. So please do me a favor, do us a favor, go give us a review. Um, it helps us continue to kick this content out for you. This is awesome, actually. I th- uh, three that I can tell. So uh, Anwar De Lara. Mark and James do a great job giving insightful information about the oil and gas industry. Five stars. Ro, uh, Romare 88, good info. Thanks for the knowledge. And then uh, MVB8, uh, four stars. I love checking in with these guys weekly to hear their take on what's going on in our industry. Keep up the good work. Thank you, guys. That, that, yeah, thanks, guys. That, honestly, you know, I'm a middle child, so if any attention I can get, that's fantastic for me. That's um, true, folks. <laughs> it's a fact. So TryRocket.com forward slash reviews will take you right there. And then um, we have 
also <laughs> still working in production because I'm I'm working on my website, which which you know adding 18 pages to my website is taking a little longer than I thought it might. Um, but we do have the video uh, recorded, and I will be editing it. Seven essential strategies to make trade show leads paying customers. You can you can get that's Mark and I tell them about it real quick. Mark, we're running low. Yeah, so so basically, James and I break it down. What do you need to do at trade shows so you're not just sitting there handing out koozies? <laughs> what do you do to drive those people to become leads, to become prospects, to become clients, to, to turn into revenue? And we break it down for you and give it to you for free. Free. So you can text trade show to three three four four four, and it's trade show all together, um, not two words, because your iPhone might correct you on that. So correct your iPhone or Android device, if, if you're one of those people, um, and text trade show to 33444, and I will send you that video. Um, Lord willing, I will have it and edited. Folks, if, if you're not so, a member of our LinkedIn group, we have a LinkedIn group. Go join. The, the conversations are starting to pick up. There's some good information being shared among our members. It's sort of the left hand to the right hand of this on-demand radio show, so go join. Yeah, tryrocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. All right, we have done uh, all of our, I think our work is done here today, Mr. LaCour. Anything else from you? You ready to get out of here? I am ready to go. It's sunny out, so I'm going to go outside again. All right, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. Can we restart? This sucks. (laughs) It's horrible.